Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. Amen. I have absolutely no doubt in what the Word can do when it is allowed to go forth. The word of the Lord is, Sister Fisher, good to see you as well as a guest. Welcome, welcome. But the word of the Lord is absolutely alive. And if we allow it to be a part of our lives, it will illuminate and it will, it will come to life. You can take this word and begin to read it. And as, as you read this thing, something will begin to trigger or flicker in your in your in your mind or in your your emotions in your spirit and before long you begin to, just in reading just in a few moments uh, it may be written in the king james with these and nows but you begin to understand it because it begins to drop and fall into your heart and before long it begins to to come alive and you you understand and when the word is allowed to to go forth and allowed to touch our hearts and and to touch our spirits, it brings incredible life. Such is the thought today that I would bring, because I want to take about four different settings in the Scripture, and I want to blend them into a single, a single reading to you, understanding that these were penned by different writers, but yet at the same time, I believe that the men of old were anointing of God, and that word when when they wrote, they wrote under the the anointing and the direction of the Holy Ghost. And the Word of God from the Genesis to the ending of Revelation. There is a meshing and a blending. And you will not find an error within its doctrine or within its pages. Now you may find a grammatical error within the pages of any of the particular translation. But you will not find a doctrinal error in, within the confines of, of the Scripture. And I believe, I believe that this Word, it comes alive, for in the beginning it was the Word, it was with God, and it was, was God. Then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and then we begin to behold the living Word. But when you, they beheld the living Word, they were also, also beholding what you and I now know as the Word of the Lord. With this, these, these thoughts in mind, I, I want to blend together two or three different passages for you. They will be on the screens as we read. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I I just want you to to ponder for a moment when you when you begin to remember that we we don't we don't wrestle with a physical enemy and we don't wrestle with with personalities or people. But the spiritual struggle that you find yourself involved in is of a spiritual nature. 
It is not a matter of you. It's just being someone or a particular name that you would be in be in a conflict with. But we war against against rulers of darkness. We war against spiritual wickedness. We war against uh, the struggles that we have are not are not just against people or personalities. Therefore. It's important, Paul wrote, that we put on the whole armor, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the wiles of the enemy. And then he says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, I want to blend into this reading. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Though I am flesh, and though I am but a man, and though you are flesh, and you are but a person, you are but a, a, a woman or a, or a man, and though we face real life conflict, and we have real life problems, and we have real life issues that become because we are, uh, we are people, we understand that we don't walk after the flesh, but rather we, 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 we don't war after the flesh, but rather we, we war after the spirit and, and we war in such a way that, that the thoughts that come against us are not just I feel depressed, but rather it's spirits of depression that would assault the mind of the Christian. Or, or you may, I just feel so overwhelmed. And so, and say, I just feel overwhelmed instead of you just having that natural sense of being overwhelmed. Uh, there are spirits of oppression who come against people and oppress the mind. And instead of you just saying, I am so confused right now about this. Uh, you have to realize that we're not just warring after maybe a natural confusion but rather there are spirits of confusion that can come and there's people here that have warred and been confused in your mind and couldn't understand why because there was an oppression or a confusion that was of a spiritual nature that came against you for for though we we walk in this flesh we do not war after this flesh John chapter 17 verse 14 Jesus pausing in the middle of a dialogue he begins to pray for his his disciples that he was sending out into the kingdom and so in my that's printed for me in red because I've got it printed on a page but but there you won't see it in red but Jesus in the middle of this prayer in verse 7 chapter 17 verse 14 says this I have given them thy word and the world and the world hateth them because they are not of the world even as I am not of this world John is, is writing what he's hearing the Lord pray he says Lord uh, 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 the word is here the Lord says I've given them your word Lord but but then the world hates them because they are not of this world even as I am not of the world. You can never embrace enough of the world within the church that the world will accept you. You cannot embrace false doctrine hoping that you can find a place of popularity and the world will embrace you. Jesus said, in another place you are hated of all men for my name's sake. And people of the name can never be accepted. Don't ever expect it to be accepted by a TBN crowd. You can't compromise 
compromise enough. Uh, to, and you cannot compromise enough to be accepted by a modern uh, a religious crowd. The Bible says you're, they will be hated of all men for my name's sake. And people of the name they are distinct and they are different. They've been marked because they've been buried in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus. And you cannot lay enough standards aside but still believe in the name of Jesus that the world will accept you because the world hates the things of God and it hates the things of His name. It simply says this, the world They are not of the world, even Jesus, as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of this world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. Lord, I'm not asking you to remove them out of this world, but I'm asking you to protect them right in the middle of this world. This word clearly declares that in the midst of every adversity, in the midst of every spirit, that it would assault you. You may be walking through the midst of hell but Jesus declared in that prayer Lord I'm asking that you don't remove them from the world but protect them in this world you can walk through hell and have the confidence that the protection of God is with you you can face deception you can face delusion you can face false doctrine and you can have the confidence of knowing I shall pass through this and I will not be tainted by this because I'm passing through this world but I have the divine prayers and protection of the almighty that he will keep me and protect me in this world he goes on to say this uh, these that I'm praying for Lord verse 16 they are not of the world even as I am not of the world Uh, saints of God the people of God the church of God the bride of Christ is not of this world but it's of a different world Jesus Christ was not of this world but he was of a heavenly realm and a heavenly dimension and people that have been filled with his spirit uh, they are not of this world they are of a different realm they are of a different dimension the songwriter said this world's not my home I'm just passing through the, 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 the writer said and, and, the, and the epistle said we are a sojourner we're a pilgrim and a sojourner we pass through this world but we're not of this world we live to a different economy we live to a different uh, a different code we live to a different authority and while we must obey the rules of this world the rules of the world that we live in and the laws that govern our life They make it very easy to live within the confines of the world that we live in. Listen, if I live by the rules of that world, simply this. If I live by the rules of God and I do not kill and I do not destroy and I do not lie and I do not do the things of the Ten Commandments, the simple basic code that is of another world that's not of this world. If I live by God's code, I have no issues living in this world. I won't have trouble with the law when I live by by his code in this world and when I do what he asks from his kingdom I have no ability I have no problems living in a worldly world because I will live free of the law and I will above certain reproaches because of the things of God that are transparent in my life 
And so his prayer, Jesus says this. He says, uh, these are not of this world, even as I am not of the world. And so then blending back in the second Corinthians chapter 10, where we read from just a moment ago, we just read, for though we walk not in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. It goes on to the say, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The world may slap you, but you don't have to slap back. The world may curse you but you don't have to curse back the world may offer lies against you but you don't have to lie back the world may offer an effort to destroy you but you do not have to offer destruction back because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds the world assaults you you hit them with a Holy Ghost prayer the world lies about you you return a spiritual weapon of love towards them and when that happens They become neutralized in their attack because it can't affect you because you're living by the economy and using rules and losing weapons of another world. And so verse 5, this, this same weapons that we use, it, it casts down the imaginations. It casts down every high thing which would exalt itself against the knowledge of, of God. And it brings into captivity every thought to, to the obedience of Christ. How can I have this weapon, pastor? How can I have this ability to walk through hell, to walk through the onslaught and the attacks and the assaults of mankind and not be affected by it? Blending back to Ephesians chapter 6, I simply take up the reading in verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, put on the whole armor of God. Take on the armor of God, and if you put on this armor, you'll be able to withstand in that day. When hell lies about you, if you've got the armor on, you can stand there. When hell falsely accuses you if you've got the armor on you can stand when hell tries to oppress you and depress you if you've got the armor on you can stand amen verse 14 says this Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. uh, Having your loins girt about with truth. And having on the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, Hear me now. Part of, part of, part of that, part of that armor is, is a, is is a wrapping around the reproductive areas of your life. And so if you live in truth and you product, uh, you protect those areas uh, when you move forward in life, uh, you will only produce truth. Uh, You won't produce false doctrine if you're wrapped in truth. Uh, Having around your, your, your chest, uh, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, putting on uh, armor that covers uh, the reproductive and the protective organs and the the reproductive and and the vital organs of your body and that breastplate of righteousness that protects your heart and the desires of your heart. Verse 15, and your feet is shod with the preparation of the gospel and above all, taking that shield of faith uh, wherewith you shall be able to quench uh, all the fiery darts uh, of of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit 
and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication to all saints. And because we're not of this world, but we're of another world, we don't fight the way the rest of the world fights. And we take on and we put on an armor that is protective. And when we got filled with the Holy Ghost, there was a washing and a cleansing and renewing in our spirit. And that's when we could take on a helmet of salvation and a shield of faith and a sword of the Spirit. And we could wrap ourselves in truth and we could cover our chest and our heart uh, with righteousness and then we have a confidence that we can walk free. We can walk free of the assault uh, of the world. And with this, uh, you and I can go to battle with a confidence uh, and the hang with me now. You may think this is kind of theological and this is kind of, this is kind of deep, but hang on, it's fixing to get right where we live. Uh, you see, we, we can go into battle now prepared and we can go and face the enemy with a confidence of knowing I'm not walking by myself, but I've got on an armor and I can hold up the I can hold up the shield and all the fiery darts of hell will bounce off and the lies and the accusations they'll bounce off because I'm, I'm holding up my shield and I'm moving forward and I can take on any devil and I can take on any spirit and I can take on anything that would come because now I can move with a confidence. But please note these protective measures that are given in this armor and these shields of faith and the sword and all of these things that we have these are forward facing these are forward facing so you can move forward you can move forward with confidence and knowing what comes against me no weapon that's come against you that's formed against you shall prosper and so while you're moving forward you got that shield and you got your prayer life you got the word of God you're covered and you're moving forward and you can take on territory and you can take on victories when this happens and you can rejoice and look back and say look I, I had on my armor I had my shield I had my sword I had my breastplate I had my loins protected I had my shoes on and I could go to battle and accomplish what needed to be happen and all of these things and protections they seem to be forward facing but then I pose the question what about what about these things that happen that are unexpected that happened to me pastor I'm going through life. I've got my, I've got my shield and I've got my sword and I've got my salvation helmet on and I've got my breastplate of righteousness on and I've got my loins girt with truth. But there's still those moments when I feel that attack that comes and it causes pain in my life. It seems as if in the midst of all of this forward facing protection and might, uh, sometimes there's attacks and we feel the fiery darts of the enemy and we feel ambushments and we feel things sneak up on us from the side and from the back. Don't ever tell me it never happened to you. And with this thought I share with you my title this morning, God's got your back. Because you move forward with confidence, but yet there's not a one of us that hadn't felt the fiery dart of some kind who, who got past the armaments that we were endeavoring to hold. We might not have handled them like a professional, but we were doing our best to do what's right. And somehow from the side or from the back, there was something that happened. There was an attack that took place. There, there, was, there was a thrusting motion from the back that, that I didn't see. And it seemed to just to pierce my heart and it got through and, and, and it just, it wounded me. And I, I carry that in my heart and my spirit. You see, it seems as if there, there comes those attacks that didn't come from the front. Those attacks that came from a side place or might even have been what you and I would term in the day that we live as, as friendly fire. It was friendly fire that, that got me. 
It was friendly fire that hit me. It was, it was, it was the guys that was supposed to have been on my side, but I, I got one from, from them. And some of these come from those we seem to have trusted the most. And maybe even sometimes these fiery darts or these attacks that come from the side of the back, it seems as if sometimes they even come from loved ones or extremely trusted ones. Now, what do we do when the attack didn't come from the front and it came from a trusted place? Makes me think not a one of us have escaped those moments in our life. Not a one of us have escaped those. We can testify of great victories over our enemy. But sometimes we arrive at the house of God shot full of fiery darts from the sides and behind. And we may look like we can testify over defeating the enemy. But behind us and our our back parts and sticking from our back, there's enough fiery darts from hell to make us look like a pincushion. You see, Zechariah chapter 13, verse number 6 is a messianic scripture. It's coming and ref- referencing the time when Jesus would, would come. And, and it's, 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 it's falling into a poetic a, a poetic place uh, where it's talking about uh, where it's talking about things things that would come and in the house of Israel, but you find this out of, out in the middle of it you find where this man who's disguised himself as a gardener as a a husbandman he he presents his hands for people to see in verse thirteen and six and one shall say unto him what are these wounds that are in thy hands and then he shall answer these are this which these with which I was wounded, those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Friendly fire is what got me. Now, I've not come today to say that everybody around you, you got to be careful because they're going to take a shot at you when you turn your back. But I've come to tell you whatever you're facing right now, God's got your back. And sometimes there's places in life... Sometimes there's places in life uh, when we take a shot from somewhere we just absolutely were not expecting. And we feel, we feel that pressure of life and we feel that pressure of living and we don't know how to respond and we don't know how to react and we, we just want to, we just want to maybe even consider giving up but understand something when that unexpected thing happens and you feel so vulnerable because it was an arm that was around you but really that arm that was around you slid a knife between the fifth and the seventh rib and you felt that piercing touch and you realize sometimes these things happen in the house of our friends. I've come to minister today and I believe the Holy Ghost will present itself in this room in these next few moments. I've come to minister to a heart that's got some arrows, some fiery darts. You see, sometimes those fiery darts come and the enemy is so strategic at knowing how to get his little demonic nerf guns. And he knows just how when you walk by, just to just, to just let fly with a little demonic dart. And it knows just how to land in your heart and to your spirit. You ever had some gripping, uh, some gripping resentment or some pain or some grief uh, that's just literally can't get out of your mind and it causes 
It causes torment in your mind. You can't let it go. It just drives you ever living crazy because it's something that shouldn't have happened. It's something that happened in your vulnerable place. It didn't happen while you were swinging and taking out big devils. But it's one of those little devils that came in there and just shot a fiery dart in there. And it's tormented your mind. It's tormented your spirit. And it's just kind of gotten in there. You see... I've come this morning to talk about those little fiery darts that seem to manage to somehow get through the armor and manage to get there. And I, I'm, I even probably want to minister, minister to somebody today that might have skinned up hands like that passage I just read from Zechariah. Where'd you get all those scars and skins and tears on your hands? I got that. I got that from, from something that was unexpected. And I minister today to maybe a heart that, that says it can no longer trust. It doesn't, want to, it doesn't want to make itself vulnerable to anybody. God's got your back. He may have sent you out into battle against a prepared enemy. But you faced an, un, an enemy that you were unprepared for. You faced an enemy that you just hadn't, you just hadn't got everything. You, just, you hadn't practiced for that situation. And you, you, were, you found yourself in that moment uh, uh, carrying a fiery dart that was, that was unexpected. And that, we were, that, was, that was such an oh so un, unprepared thing. Paul went through the same thing over and over again in the scripture. If you want to think, well, man, I tried to live in for God, but I went through a battle and it was bad and I just couldn't make it. Let me tell you some things that Paul went through in 2 Corinthians. I won't, I didn't even give these back to the people to look on the screens, but but let me just, let me just read this to you. Paul was a Hebrew of the Hebrews and he claimed to be just one of the best of the Jewish people. Are they Hebrews? 2 Corinthians eleven twenty two. So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they the ministers of Christ? Uh, I speak as a fool, but I'm more of a minister of Christ than my ministers and labor is more abundant, and stripes more in measure, and prisons more frequently, and in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. And thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I, I, I floated around in the deep. I was in journeys often. I was in perils in the waters. I was in perils in ro- of robbers. I was in perils by my own countrymen. I was in perils by the heathen. I was in perils in the city. I was in perils in the wilderness. I was in perils in the sea and in perils among false brethren. I was weary. I was filled with pain and watchings often all night I couldn't sleep and hunger and thirst and fastings often it was cold and times I was naked and because of those things with besides those things which without that which come to the me daily is the care of the churches who is weak am I not weak who was offended and I did, did, wasn't I offended and I, I didn't burn out and so if I must needs glory I will glory in the things which concern mine infirmities and the God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ which is blessed forevermore knoweth that I'm telling you the truth in Damascus. In Damascus, the governor under Aratus the king kept the city of Damascus with a garrison, desirous to apprehend me. And through a window one night in a basket, they let me down through the window in a basket on the wall, and I escaped his hands. All of this moving forward. 
preaching the gospel. All of this uh, moving forward, taking in new territory. All of this uh, moving forward, starting a church in another community. Philippi and Ephesus and all of those places in Corinth and Rome. All those places that he took the gospel to. He was shipwrecked and forgotten and falsely accused and hungry. And all those things happened. But when he signed up, he can say, God, this wasn't what I signed up for. You ever got something more than what you signed up for? Oh, we live in a day that we're quickly to say, that's not my job. We live in a day if we're hired for one thing, that's all I do. I go in someplace sometime and, and you just sometimes you can just walk up to a counter in a restaurant or a fast food place and somebody got hired to be the person who punches the button that says cheeseburger. All they know how to put is cheeseburger and swipe your card. That's all they know how to do. If somebody dropped a French fry on the floor, it's beyond them to figure out, bend over and pick up the French fry. They don't know how to do that. And I've heard people say, you need to sweep up that floor. And somebody say, that broom don't fit my hands. And so that's my job. I, I punch the button that says cheeseburger. I don't pick up french fry. I don't sweep the floor. I, I'm just locked into what I do. And then there's the old boy on the job. It don't matter. The french fry can be on the floor. He'll run the fry. He'll make the burger. He'll punch the button. He'll take the money. He'll sweep the floor. It don't matter. Just, just let me put my hand to the job. And, and I, 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 will, I will do that. Somewhere in the kingdom of God, we got to realize uh, we might have got more than we signed up for. And there might have been some times the pressures of life were on and we were facing things we didn't understand. Stand. And we didn't sign up for it to be this way. But in, in any way, I'm going to put on the armor of God. And I'm going to take on the protection I can. But even if I'm wearing that armor and something happens, I'm going to trust the fact that God's got my back. Paul knew God had his back. This brings me today to my text. Instead of reading a text to start my thought today, I, I, I bring you a text. At the very ending and closing of my thoughts today. Very familiar. I'm going to read several. Then the screen will join me here in four or five verses. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. And that's a familiar passage. And then my favorite part of this verse that I've mentioned so many times in the last few years. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I am going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We've got this confidence of knowing when we charge through life and we have the confidence of an armor. But there's those moments that we're vulnerable and we can't control what's coming from the sides. And we can't control from what's coming behind us. But we do have an absolute certainty that goodness and mercy, grace and mercy are following right behind us. And God's got your back. He's right behind you. And if something happens... You've got a confidence of knowing, even though I've got something happening, mercy's back there and grace is back there, and it's going to cover whatever happens. I'm telling you people, my text this morning, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, because I know this beyond the shadow of a doubt, God's got my back. The children of Israel were being chased by the Pharaoh. 
Exodus chapter 14, one side were mountains. The other side was a desert. Before them stood the formidable Red Sea in storm season. Behind them rushed the army of the Pharaoh to take them back to the bondage that they had escaped. Fear and failure at this moment in their life was imminent. We can't go left. We can't climb mountains. We can't go through the desert. We can't go forward through the water. And surely this is the moment that we're going to fail. Surely the protection of the Lord is, is, is going to fail us at this moment. It was at this moment they got a glimpse of what was coming behind them. That the Lord settled the cloud behind them and, 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 and in front of the Egyptian army. It was in this moment that... Uh, that Moses got along with God and God said, Moses, I'm about to take you into a different place in a different way. I want you to walk to the edge of that water. I want you to stretch your, your staff out over that water. I want the men of God that are carrying the ark of God to begin walking in that water. I want you to hold that staff. And, and when those men of God hit that water, you find how the wind began to blow and the sea was parted. And as the sea was parted overnight, when they woke, when they came, when they could see the next morning, they saw that not only was there a highway in the middle of that ocean but but there was there was a pathway for them to go but it was dried it was hard enough that their animals and their and their and their wagons could go through and and not sink they went through on on dry ground it was it seems as if that that it was a tremendous victory but but yet they knew the egyptians were still there behind them and when they came to the other side they could hear the rushing of the egyptian army still in pursuit of them and their fears were probably saying, God, you provided the way of escape for us. But not only have you provided the way of escape for us, the enemy's using our escape. They got the same pathway through here that we've got. And God said, Moses, step back to the edge of the water. I want you to stretch your staff over the water again. And when Moses stepped to the edge of that sea and stretched his staff over the water again, the Bible says that there was a confusion that came into the army of the Egyptians because God made the wheels to come off of their chariots when the wheels came off of the devil's carts something began to happen confusion came to them they ground to a halt and God stopped them dead in their tracks and then he began to let the wind subside and now waters begin to crash down on that Egyptian army and we see now and we celebrate now and we rejoice with a biblical story of how that the Egyptians were killed there and they were destroyed just a very few meters away from the people of God as they escaped at that moment. Uh, we rejoice with that, uh, but I want you to know God will do it for them and he'll do it for you in the same manner. Amen, amen, amen. But that story didn't end there. Date line, October 24th, 2014, six months ago. Headline, the archaeologists discover remains of an Egyptian army from the biblical exodus. The Suez, e Egypt's Antiquities Ministry announced this morning that a team of underwater archaeologists had discovered that re the remains of a large Egyptian army from the 14th century B.C. at the bottom of the Gulf of Suez, 1.5 kilometers uh, offshore from the modern city of Ras Gariba. The team was searching for the remains of ancient ships and artifacts related to the Stone Age and Bronze Age trade in the Red Sea areas when they stumbled upon a gigantic mass of human bones uh, darkened by age. Let me tell you, I believe God's got a way of reminding people. 
He's got a way of reminding people. I did a miracle a long time ago and you've been going through some stuff for a long time and your faith might be weak. How about I just uncover a pile of bones and let a modern day, three or four thousand years later, let them see the pile of bones that I created when I had my people's back three thousand years ago. And don't you ever doubt it, God is still in the same work and he's still in the same business and he has your back this day and he's got your back with what you face. God has your back. And back to that passage of Psalms 23 and verse number 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And that places me in a tenable position where I have but one single response. Goodness and mercy covers my back. So I've got to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I staggered into the house of God looking like I might have had a victory but my back was a pincushion of the assaults of hell but when I stumbled in the presence of God he allowed that balm of the spirit to minister to me and I felt mercy and grace begin to pull arrows out and stop my blood from flowing I felt the pain leave and I felt the comfort come I felt the agony press out and I felt the relief of the Holy Ghost as the goodness and mercy of God ministered to me you know you've been on a Wednesday night service when you, you just barely stagger in you drag yourself in and you don't you really even know why you tried to come but they start singing an old song and the piano and the drummer can't get it together and, and the song singer's got a frog in his throat that Wednesday night and it just sounds horrible but something triggers in your spirit and you felt that healing touch you felt grace and mercy walk up behind you and put its arms around you and you realize the reason I drugged myself here was because I wasn't by myself and there was a covering and there was a protection in the Holy Ghost for me and sure to goodness and mercy shall follow me so I have but one one thing one response in this life I must dwell in the house of the Lord forever I must spend time in the presence of the almighty God I have I don't have any choice goodness and mercy is a part of my life he's covered me he's given me his armor for the front he's covered my back I have one single solitary response I must live for God I must be faithful for God I must walk in his presence I must commune with him I must pray with him I must seek his face I must live in the Holy Ghost I must walk in the Holy Ghost I must pray in the Holy Ghost. I have no other choice. Because goodness and mercy, they protect me from those untenable, unplanned, unprotected moments of life. And that's the reason this morning, I simply tell you, God has your back. It's not a fancy sermon, but oh, it's not a fancy thought, but it's a powerful truth. He's got you. He's got you. Stand with me, would you? I have no powerful ending right now. I simply say, God's got your back, my friend. And if you've been through those moments when you felt like a pincushion, as I've described... I'm challenging you right now. I want you to step out. I want you to come up the front. I want you to lift your hands. And I want you to allow that healing that takes place in the presence of the Almighty God to minister down deep inside of you.
It may have been some season. It may be that you've done some self-healing. It may be that you've done some self-doctoring. But I challenge you in the Holy Ghost right now to let you know that God's got your back. And those, those, those thoughts, those oppressive thoughts and those demonic things and those fiery darts and those, those things that have attacked your mind and spirit. To, I declare in this room today God's got you covered and God's got your back. And you're not by yourself. And goodness and mercy are standing right there behind you now. And while you thought hell was on your trail, it was really goodness and mercy and the footsteps that you feared they were really the goodness and mercies of God that were just trying to stay up with your scattered frantic run from him don't run from God run to God run to his presence cast yourself in his presence and allow the working and the will of the Holy Ghost to be wrought in your life in the name of Jesus